Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to be talking with a Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. For all of his content, we got to talk about a lot of stuff going on in the world of USC football, college football, the NFL, because he had the 2023 NFL Draft. Over the weekend, four Trojans were selected, including a first-rounder, second-rounder, and a third-rounder. Some guys had signed as undrafted free agents afterwards, we're going to give you updates on everything that was going on there. The transfer portal window has also closed. Uh, it went from April 15th to April 30th. Uh, some little bit of fireworks on the USC side. We'll talk about what happened in that portal window. Just so you guys know, if you're a grad transfer, you can still transfer at this point. But the portal is closed until after the season, December 4th. So this was this kind of final window. We got some numbers about what, you know, guys entering the portal, things like that. There's been some billboards popping up around the city. We want to talk about that. The Coliseum is 100 years old. We're going to talk about all that stuff with the coach, Harvey Hyde, who's on the call with me right now. Coach, how you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. I'll tell you... Uh... You know, spring practice is done as far as at most locations. I think all of them now, and everybody's getting ready for spring recruiting. Now, recruiting is never done. It's like that old saying, and I think a lot of people out there reminding, uh, well, I can't say this anymore because everybody has a beard, but in the old days, it was, uh, it was like, uh, no, never mind. I'm not going to say it, okay? <laughs> Beards are in fashion now, okay? Beards are in fashion now. So I won't mention that, but recruiting's the name of the game, and I think that's what everybody's doing when they finish up with the portals and all of this. Maybe we can settle down a little bit. Yeah, you're besmirching beards. I'm not a beard guy myself, but um, I guess I could probably try it. Just it would. You have to get through that phase where it's uh, itchy, and I I usually don't get through that phase. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, so I've been much of a beard guy. Maybe at some point we'll see. But my beard comes in kind of gray, so I don't know. Don't need to to do that so much. But anyway, I don't know how we got onto beards. But uh, before we jump into everything, I just want to let people know you can email us questions throughout the off season podcast at uscfootball.com. You can also call or text us at four two four two five four nine one four one is the number. You can leave us a voicemail or. Send us a text. We appreciate uh, all of that. When you uh, any kind of feedback you give us, that's great. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, um, please subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast. Leave us a five star rating and review. It does help to grow the show. I think we got about eleven hundred ratings so far on Apple Podcasts. We got a new one 
from Sue Sim, and it's uh, Dado Download. Great new podcast with Shotgun and Jack. Very informative, enjoyable, with some great guests. So thanks for that five-star review. Yeah, we do a lot of podcasts here on the same feed. So if you're whatever, you know, if you're on Apple or Google or wherever you have your podcast, Spotify, a lot of different shows come through. Like Coach and I have been doing a show together since 2008, uh, Chris Trevino and I. We have the uh, two-star composite recruiting podcast with Gerard and Chris Trevino and, and Shotgun uh, Spratling and Jack Smith, our, our intern at USC, started the Dato Download recently. So you can listen about uh, baseball on on their podcast so a lot of different podcasts we do tunnel vision shows and stuff from too but so a lot of them on the feed so hopefully something uh you will enjoy on our podcasting feed we've been doing it for a long time and uh, we appreciate all the listenership and everyone that's been involved in that and we also want to thank our sponsor trader joe's they've been awesome to us over the years uh i only i go to traderjoes.com just kind of check out what they got going on and usually something sweet catches my eye and this week it was uh mini moose cakes um, so there's velvety chocolate mousse on top of chocolate cake with some sweet confectionery coating cut into little shapes that reflect the spirit of the season. So little like, uh, spring shapes and things like that. So make sure you go check it out or anything over at Trader Joe's. Like I said, they've been awesome to us over the years. So thanks, uh, to Trader Joe's for their sponsorship. And I want to thank coach Harvey Hyde for being here. Cause he's been here many, many years. I guess it's like 15 now, right? If we started 2008, it's been a long time coach. Been a long time, and uh, it's been a good time too, Ryan. Uh, talking about the USC Trojan football and the changes that have gone on in football, and they're still going on, and and giving our opinion. And for all of you out there, it's just our opinion. You have your opinion, and I'm sure you'll agree with some of them, and you'll disagree with others. So that's what makes this, I think, a good show. Yeah, for sure, Coach. And uh, I think people do appreciate. It. We try to tell it like it is. We're not. Uh... We're not trying to sugarcoat anything. We're going to tell you if, if things are not looking good, we'll tell you. If they're looking great, we'll tell you that too. But I wanted to go over um, the NFL draft. It was an interesting one. Um, I didn't watch. I watched a lot of the first day, the the first round, and then I was doing stuff on Friday and Saturday. I didn't get to watch as much uh, of those, but kind of went back and checked out some of the the highlights. But we, you know, there's some guys that you expected from USC to go, and the first one off the board was Jordan Addison. It was. First round was interesting. We had like the Will Levis dropping. You had three quarterbacks go in the first four picks. Um, you had two running backs go before any wide receivers. And then there was a run of four wide receivers. Um, Ohio State, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, like he went number 20 to Seattle. There were four in a row. And Jordan Addison was one of those guys. He ends up going to Minnesota with a 23rd pick. So, uh, uh, you know, they lose Adam Thielen, so he could be someone that steps in. I liked what he was saying after being drafted coach about just wanting to get in there and go to work. So that, I thought that was a pretty cool pick, and it seems like Jordan Addison found a good home. Well, I tell you, it's, a, it's an interesting draft because you hear me talking about the running game. You hear me talking about always uh, putting the edge pressure on quarterbacks and so on. And I really think the NFL's got it. I think they've understood now they have to go back to the running game. I think they understand you've got to put pressure on the quarterback and the same thing that's coming, I think, from college football and what they need to do in college football. You always hear me saying if you can't run the football, you're not going to win championships. If you don't play great defense, you're not going to win championships. And when you take a look at how the draft went of the top 15 players in the NFL draft, of course, you've got to have a quarterback. So three uh, of the top four were quarterbacks, which makes sense. Will Anderson, an edge guy, so you put a lot of pressure on him. 
Then you got an offensive tackle who needs a block for the quarterback. You got another edge guy. You got a running back. Now, when's the last time that a running back has been taken in the top uh, draft as far as the top 10 or top 15? I think it was a, a long time. It was like 2018, maybe. It's been at least five years, I think. Like, uh, sure I think it was Saquon Barkley was like the last one that was like a high running back. Right, so you got a running back, then you got a defensive tackle. Let's put some pressure on the offense and uh, and uh, get some penetration. Which is Carter, who went to the Eagles, what a great draft they had. And then you got another offensive tackle, right, who went to Chicago. Then you got an offensive tackle again, so you got a block for the uh, the running game, a block for protection of the quarterback, and then you got another running back in Gibbs, who went to Detroit uh, out of Alabama. Second running back in the top 15, and then a defensive end, Van Ness, uh, from Iowa to Green Bay, and then another offensive tackle, Jones, that goes to Pittsburgh, and then uh, you get another edge guy from Iowa State in McDonald's. So when you look at the top 15, where's the emphasis? Not in receivers, but interior linemen, edge rush guys, running backs, and quarterbacks. Yeah. That's what the uh, trend is now. As far as what I've been talking about for a long period of time, you can't win championships without defense and a running game. No, I I agree with you, Coach. Um, So it was weird. Like We've seen some receivers go high, then we have that historic run of four, but you get one of them being uh, Jordan Addison to Minnesota. Did you like where he landed? Did you like that fit there? Yeah, I do. They were excited. That's that's what I liked. Uh, you watch the war room and you see the people get excited and so on. And they were really excited they got him. You could see them high-fying and, uh, each other and shaking hands and all of the above. And you know you want to be wanted wherever you go. And I think that's very important. And I think that, uh, you know, he's got a show now that he's that type of football player. And I think they went a lot on his junior year. Uh, I think that uh, he's got good hands and he likes the game of football. I just want to make sure that he's physical enough because they're going to hit him now. Remember, they're going to hit him now in the NFL. I've never seen the hitting that's going on in the NFL. These defensive backs and secondary guys, they want to knock you out. So it's going to be a different type of level of competition, but I think he certainly has the uh, ability so uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Um, a couple other Trojans went on day two of the draft, so rounds two and three. Uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu, led the nation in sacks, gets to stay home. He was 54th overall to the L.A. Chargers, so he's not got to go very far. And then uh, Makai Blackman snuck right in there, 102nd pick. He closed out the third round, and he's going to join Jordan Addison in Minnesota. So, um Makai Blackman just was really good uh, at corner for USC and, of course, at Colorado before that. And, obviously, Thule, um shows he can be a sack master. So, I, I like I like Thule of the Chargers and uh, Blackman getting a teammate in Minnesota. That's pretty cool, too. Well, it is. And, obviously, the Minnesota scout liked Southern California, okay, because uh, he came out and liked two of the players. But what's when you think about this, Ryan, I don't know if you've thought about this, but two of the three players from USC are all – Portal guys, all portal guys. Only Tui is the guy that's left over as far as the McClay Helton era. So you see the portal guys now being drafted out of USC. So these are new names that have only been at USC one year, uh, Colorado transfer and, of course, the Pitt transfer here, where, uh, you know, it sort of makes a statement. 
No, yeah, that the uh, in you know next year, obviously you got <laughs> Caleb Williams potentially going number one, so that'll be an interesting one. Uh, the and then on the day on day three of the draft, uh, no Trojans went until the seventh round, but the Baltimore Ravens took Andrew Voorhees uh, with pick number two twenty nine. So it was their seventh round pick. He obviously tore his ACL at the NFL Combine, but then put up you know massive numbers on the bench press with one leg. Uh, he graded very highly on Pro Football Focus, so I'm glad someone uh, took a flyer on Andrew Voorhees and uh, and brought him into the fold. Yes, uh, you know, they, he showed his strength, uh, 38 uh, reps at 225, which was a very impressive. The uh, one thing I think that held him down in the, into the seventh round is his injury, obviously, but also his series of injuries. He's been hurt a lot during his career at, at USC, and I think that when you make an investment, uh, you've got to make sure, and if you make it at a higher round, uh, you really are taking a chance. But today in the NFL draft, you expect your draft choices to make your team. And I think they took a chance on him as far as his injury. Uh, they like him as a as a player. Uh, they wanted to draft him. Otherwise, they'd have tried to get him in free agency. So uh, they want to try to keep the kid and rehab the kid and get him back. I tell you, I was very impressed. I saw him on an interview the other day, and he really is a, an intelligent, nice kid. Said some nice things. I want to wish him the best of luck. But he's had a difficult career at USC as far as with injuries and so on. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think he's going to have – he has the potential to have a long NFL career. Well, hopefully he recovers uh, and we'll be able to come back to that. Um, overall for USC, uh, they've had a first – a first round pick in the last four drafts and six of the last seven years. Um, this is the 22nd consecutive year, which is the longest active streak of any college um, football program that a Trojan's been selected in the top three rounds. So they've you know consistently been up there, uh, you know, high draft picks overall and all of that. Um, a few players did sign as undrafted uh, free agents. So Brandon Peely, he goes to the Miami Dolphins. Um, the defensive lineman, uh, offensive lineman, Bobby Haskins, who transferred in from Virginia. He's going to the Chicago bears, uh, wide receiver, Terrell Bynum, who transferred in from, uh, Washington signed with the LA chargers. So he sticks around and then, uh, you know, fan favorite captain running back, Travis Dye. He ends up signing with the New York jets. Uh, and then, um, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler did report that, uh, Josh follow who we would see, you know, kind of pop his head every once in a while. He was invited to a Jets rookie minicamp, so he could go try out over there. But he's, a lot of people thought he had kind of an NFL body and stuff, so we'll see. Maybe he ends up uh, catching on with the team there. But those are the, the former USC football players that either were drafted or signed recently with NFL teams. Any thoughts on any of those It'll last be, guys, Coach? Oh, yeah. I think it would be a great experience for these kids. I mean, going to an NFL camp and being uh, having the opportunity to experience it. And out of those kids, uh, you'll be surprised. Uh, kids will make it. If you check around the NFL, you'll say, oh, that's where that kid's playing. He used to play at USC. So, uh, you know, you get on taxi squads, you get on reserve squads, practice, the whole different thing. So there's a lot of opportunities out there. So what you got to do is compete. You only get a chance. And uh, once in a lifetime, kids dream about playing on Saturday, and then they dream about playing on Sunday. And they get this opportunity. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. There's a lot of competition. And, of course, 
It's a lot different. There isn't a hell of a lot of coaching there on the NFL level as far as uh, they look at the ability. Once you get there, it's the ability. It's your physical stature, your speed, your vertical jump, and all of these different things. And uh, they expect you to do it already. So uh, you've got to really be ready and be in great shape. And you got to go 100%. There isn't half speed in the NFL, okay? If you don't go 110% every single play, you're not going to make it. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Coach. But uh, that's where USC players uh, ended up. So you can kind of follow along with their careers. Uh, the progens, if you'd like to to call them those, that they're moving on to the uh, next level. Um, but, you know, overall, looking at that group, Coach, I mean, Addison, very effective receiver, obviously. He was banged up a little bit towards the end. You know, Voorhees going down. Makai Blackman really came in and was was great. And they're, you know, they're hoping Christian Roland Wallace can kind of fill that role. Thule was a one-man wrecking crew on the defensive line, but it was sort of just him and nobody else. And, you know, when when you look at the group as a whole, you're kind of like, all right. I mean, it's not like you've lost a ton. Um, they're going to bring in, you know, they've already brought in, we're going to talk about some of the guys they brought in. Overall, the talent's going to be a lot better on this team, Coach. So, I mean, if it's one of those things where if you're Alabama and you get, you know, nine guys drafted, including, you know, three first-rounders or whatever it is, um, they can reload pretty quickly. While right now Lincoln Riley's in a rebuilding mode, it's kind of nice that you're not having to completely rebuild in year two. You can kind of build on some of the momentum you've you know put together for year one. So, um, you know, it'll be harder to replace a guy like Caleb Williams after next year. But at this point, it seems like the guys are replaceable and they're going to be better at most of these positions across the board. Well, I think they'll have more depth than they've had before. I know on the offensive side of the football, I really believe they will as far as the running back situation and all the other skilled kids in the offensive line. On the defensive side, you hope the ability of the leftover players are good enough to give them good enough depth that they can compete and play hard uh, every down. And uh, we'll have to wait and see if that's there and uh, how good these portal players really are as far as linebackers, defensive linemen, the two five-star recruits that came in from A&M in Georgia. So uh, there's a lot still, uh, uh, I would say, suspect on the defensive side of the football. I am not yet convinced about the defensive side of the football and how good they are or how good they're going to be, okay? I want to be convinced, but like I said, I didn't see them much in the spring. I only saw them in the spring game, and the spring game was very vanilla. I mean, really didn't show you anything. Only went two quarters. Most teams uh, that did have a spring game went the entire four quarters, either running time or regular talk, but officials, the whole package, coaches in the press box running it like a game. USC elected not to do that. They probably had their major scrimmage the Saturday before the spring showcase. So we really didn't see much. And when Caleb Williams only goes three plays, that didn't show us or tell us much either as far as how strong the defense is or exactly how or what they've changed in the, on the offensive side of the football. So I still got a big question mark. Yeah. Well, let's move on where the Trojans play football, uh, the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Today is May 1st and we're recording this and it's the 100 year anniversary of when the Coliseum was the construction was completed. So look at a little round of applause here. 
yay for the Coliseum. 100 years. It's crazy. I was actually thinking about that the other day, Coach, because, you know, the, the club up top is the 1923 club, and I don't know why I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, wow, it's like the 100-year anniversary. I just was thinking about that. Um, there's, uh, they sent out an email. You want to go check it out, but they, they show the construction of the Coliseum in 1923. Uh, you have the whole, the big bowl there with the track, and then there's a, a, a large kind of oval around it, um, which, you know, seems like the parking lots and stuff. The first game was that year for a P- USC versus Pomona Pitzer. Uh, so that's kind of funny. Um, the Trojans, uh, won 23, seven. So the very first game there. The uh, first Dodger game was in 1958 at the Coliseum. So uh, they beat the Giants 6-5 to five in front of a crowd of 78,672. That's pretty cool. Uh, of course, 1932, you had the Olympics, um, and then so many other memories uh, from the Coliseum over the years. But it's hard to believe, 100 years. You know, May 1st, 1923, they finished the Coliseum. Can you believe this now? I don't know if you're aware of this stat or not. Can you believe the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum are, what, 15 miles apart? I don't know. I'm guessing. Can you believe the Rose Bowl celebrated their 100th year last year? The Coliseum celebrates their 100th year this year. Can you imagine them be building two facilities this close within a one-year period? Yeah, no way. No way. Yeah. That's, uh, no, that would not happen. Um, it's crazy though. Just, it's been around that long. Uh, and so it's, it was kind of neat just to get that email today. I'm like, Oh, that's something else we can talk about. Coach the hundred year, uh, anniversary of the Coliseum. So love to see that. Um, there's some billboards around too, coach. And I know, uh, I think you'd sent me one or you tweeted about it. Um, Brian right. Kennedy, the longtime, uh, USC booster and you know, the, the practice field, part of it's named after him. Uh, put up, I think, 18 billboards around uh, the uh, Los Angeles area, basically demanding the NCAA to give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I really like it. I really like it because he uh, has the, uh, uh, what do you want to say, the uh, initiative to probably start something that's deserving uh, for the university to have back. The football fans to have back, Reggie Bush to have back, to put up these billboards so to give a message. And I've been on my radio shows talking about it and also uh, sending out uh, information regarding it as I said it to you and everybody else. If you haven't seen it, you're going to see it. Uh, about it all, it just basically says NCAA give back Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. And uh, would you think that what's going on in college football today, guys getting a million dollars to play college football, that what happened in the Reggie Bush situation, yes, they sanctioned the school, okay. The school paid its dues. They gave up championships. They gave up scholarships. They did all of that. But to take away a Heisman Trophy that was won on the field, are you kidding me? I mean, and to give it up so easily, I mean, I think that should be given back, and a couple of people that I know have checked with the Heisman uh, uh, New York Athletic Club, and they say it's the NCAA. If you call the NCAA, they say it's the New York, excuse me, Athletic Club. So sort of sounds like uh, the normal thing of the NCAA. It's always someone else's fault or whatever, but 
what does the NCAA have to say about college football anymore? Yeah, there, not- there isn't an infraction. <laughs> There's no infractions. Oh, what are they talking about? Now, aren't they going to put one of these schools on penalty for what? There's no transfer requirements that I know of as far as academically. There isn't a number of units that you have to do to transfer as far as being a junior or so many units that accept that it's accepted into your major field. I mean, what are they talking about? And they take away a Heisman Trophy from somebody that was one on the field? Please. So as far as you hear me talk about it all the time, you know, right now, I haven't just changed my no. tone now. I talked about it the day it happened and blamed the people that politically were going to take care of it at that time that were in the administration at USC. Yeah. Okay. I would have never given it up and it should have never happened. And I agree. Yes, you can't. You, that was the rules and regulations then. But they punished the school. They punished the school. Why take away a trophy? That was one on the field, and they got to give it back. Yeah. I agree with the coach, and we'll see if these billboards do anything, but there seems to be more and more pressure to make something happen, and we, we'll see if it does. Uh, we got to talk about the transfer portal, because like I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, it opened a 15-day window from April 15th until April 30th, and it's now closed. That doesn't mean people cannot transfer at this point. It means that you can't enter your name into the transfer portal unless – uh, there's a couple circumstances. One, if you're a graduate transfer, you can always enter the portal. Like you can transfer whenever you want if you're a graduate. Two, if you fire the coach. So I think there's like a 30-day window if a coach gets fired. It's not going to happen at USC, obviously. So, um, But otherwise, the portal's closed until I believe December 4th is the day it will open again. But there's still a lot of names in the portal. So there's still people to be uh, that are going to be picked up from other teams uh, throughout the offseason. Spring was sort of like a figure out where you are in the depth chart and then enter the portal or this is what teams need to add or if anyone else enters, then a coach wants to try to replace them, things like that. Um, Chris Hummer over at 247 Sports um, tweeted out uh, the the portal numbers. So there's still a few names that maybe are slip, slipping in there because you know it takes a little while to process some of these. But for the most part, we know who's entered the portal. But for FBS transfer numbers... Uh, if you go way back to 2018, it was 1,717 players. And then it dipped a little. 2019, 1,692. Uh, 2020 was 2,647. So it went up significantly. And then last year, ballooned up to over 3,000. Um, 3,083. And then this past cycle, 2022 to 2023, 3,252 bodies in the transfer portal. So it seems like it's gone up just about every year. Um, and it's, you know, almost double where it was uh, five years ago. So it's a, it's definitely a bigger part of college football now, coach. It is. And you either like it or you don't like it. I mean, uh, as an old timer, I don't like it. I think a kid ought to pay a price when you accept a scholarship. There's got to be some type of loyalty to that university. I don't think you can transfer as many times as you want, four or five times from one school to the next. Someone's making an investment in you when they uh, offer you a scholarship and you have to have some type of loyalty. I would see that maybe, you know, you could transfer once or or so on, but to transfer every year, there's some players, uh, you know, JT Daniels. How many times has he transferred? Where is he at? Rice now? Nobody even knows where he is. Uh, Slovis, where is he now? Is he eligible for the draft or where is he playing now? I mean, is he an SC graduate? I mean, 
What is the deal? What is your future? What is your life? What do you claim as your, what are your alumni of what school? I mean, uh, I think there's got to be, as the coaches all say, and it's not just me as an old coach, there's got to be more control on what's going on. It seems to be now there's no limit on how many schools you can visit. I mean, really, what if what if uh, a school didn't like, a, a team didn't like a coach? So they went to the administration and said, we're all transferring, all 100 of us. What happens? What happens? Uh, do they give in? Do they fire the coach? Uh, what happens? All 100 players leave? I mean, I don't know. I think it's getting to be where, you know, it's too much one way. I think there's got to be an equal process in this, uh, an obligation by both that win for both. And there's a loyalty for both. I think it's just getting a little bit too one-sided as far as I don't want to compete here anymore. Or I'm not going to play next year, so I'm not going to be here. Uh, And when does a coach have a day off? I mean, really, from the portal to high school recruiting to uh, to the summer program, to the academics, to fall camp, to preparing for your first game. I mean, is there any off time, even for the players? Is there any off time at all? I mean, I, I don't know exactly where we're headed. And when does a player get a million dollars to transfer? I mean, are you kidding me? Just come and this is reported. I mean, I don't know. I didn't write any checks, okay? You sure, Coach. Well, what these kids are doing, you know, they're driving Mercedes-Benz, they're driving Bentleys. I mean, really? I mean, is this a little crazy? Or, uh, I think it's crazy. And I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of coaches that like it at all. But uh, I think you're going too far in one direction, and there's not any loyalty as far as what happens if you get a job. Are you going to just leave your job and move to another job? You can't. You can, but there's no guarantees on anything. You've got to be able to work for something. I think you have to be able to earn something. You got to earn your number. You got to earn your position, or you never learn to compete. Yeah, coach. It's just it's uh, it's definitely different. Um, I like that we give players a similar opportunity that coaches have that they can switch. You know, we've seen. When Clay Helton came to USC, he had already accepted a job somewhere else and was there for like a month and then left or a couple of weeks or something. We see coaches kind of move all the time. You give the players, but then it's it's definitely disrupting the way things have been done over the years. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, but I don't think it's anything that's going away anytime soon. So we'll see uh, how that goes. And as far as USC goes, you want to talk about transfer portal. Uh, if we look at the transfer rankings, Colorado is number one. Uh, they've had the most turnover we've ever seen, I think, in college football history. Um, USC is number two. I'm curious to see what happens with Colorado. Before we get into some of the moves that USC had made since the spring, not been a lot, but they've added a couple of big names, a couple of you know high-quality players. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Coach Prime and what's going on at Colorado. The last I checked, it might be less than that. They There was 20 leftover, 20 holdover players from their team in 2022, so... The team that played, you know, five months ago or six months ago, there's only 20 of those guys left. Um, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, I think it might be tough to replace all those guys, but 
Coach Prime came in and said, this team is terrible. 1-11, we're going to do a complete overhaul, and that's what they've done. Um, any, any thoughts on the Colorado situation? Because it's, it's pretty wild. Absolutely. But before I, I move to that, I want to clarify myself. I do believe that if a kid signs a national letter of intent and he signed it to go to a school and that coach leaves, I think that kid should have the opportunity to leave too. Uh, an example of that is when Dennis Erickson was at Oregon State. He signed uh, a great recruiting class, and the next day resigned and went to the 49ers. I think that's what I, really what you call Bush League, okay? That is Bush League to do that to those kids. To get them there, tell the parents that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be here. We're going to have a great team, which he had a great team, or he never would have gotten the 49er job. But that's Bush League, okay? That's Bush League, and I think the kids should be protected that way. Now, in going to the Colorado situation, I think it was necessary. I had that same situation in one job I went to. Uh, I don't know how many people saw the video of uh, Coach Prime when he uh, spoke to the team for the first time, and he, he told them that uh, there's liable to be a lot of people in this room that are sitting here now that won't be sitting here after spring practice or before. Because you're not committed to the game of football. Uh, you you really uh, may know what a football program is, but you've won two games in two years or whatever it was. And uh, I, I'm not here to do that. And the administration, the administration was tired of it too. Uh, and uh, they gave him some great uh, opportunities, changes, by putting a lot of money into the program, easing up the admission requirements. Uh, doing the things that were necessary to clean up this program, which was uh, basically in shambles, okay? So <clears throat> to do that, you've got to give players ultimatums, and you've got to let them know we're going to do it a different way here. I did the same thing, and I lost some great players too, but those players never beat us when we played them either. And, uh, and he's doing that. Uh, he brought in a lot of players, and uh, I think the count right now is about 18 or 19 uh, that have left after spring ball because they didn't want to pay the price that was necessary that he felt to be a winner at the University of Colorado. But the philosophy and the interest in the college has changed as far as the crowd, 45,000 at the spring game, Prime being a celebrity on who he is, the whole philosophy and the uh, vision of Colorado is different. People are having fun again. Uh, if they win four games next year, he's had a great successful transition. So I think that it's what you have to do if you're serious about playing football. And I think they went out and made a commitment that they want to change. And I think all kids maybe don't fit. Uh, they don't like football that much to uh, be on time and go through weight, weight workouts and yes, sir, no, sir, and some of the responsibility that Coach Prime has put in there. And he's a very strict, disciplined type of guy. He's old school, and he's doing the Bobby Bowden thing. He learned that way, and he's coaching that way. And his son's on the same team, and his son gets ripped as much as any other player if you watch spring game or anything. 
So I think it'll uh, be good for the university, and it'll be good for the kids to leave. They have that option. Leave. Go somewhere else. And as a football coach, I sort of say, you know, son, it, it is better for you to leave. And then, of course, there's some players he probably told, you know, you're not going to be able to play here because you're not good enough. So I think you should go. And I mentioned that in our last podcast where basically it's almost like saying you're fired. Okay? Yeah. So I think that's going on too, Ryan. Yeah. No, I agree with you there, Coach. And then on the USC side, I uh, wanted to kind of give an update on where uh, sort of USC is. Since the spring, we saw uh, Josh Jackson, uh, the cornerback that was wide receiver a little bit. He's entered the portal. Um, Cortland Ford uh, ends up transferring to Kentucky. Uh, the He started left tackle for some games last year. Uh, and Earl Barquette, who transferred in from Auburn and was just banged up and never really got to do anything at USC. There was a lot of optimism, just the way he looked uh, out there. And, you know, he could be uh, a great player. Um, and, uh, yeah, he ends up entering the transfer portal uh, as well. So, Who is uh, that? I'm sorry. Earl Barquette from TCU. He was a TCU. Oh, okay, tra- okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I would, Yeah, I mixed. I got a mix up there with the transfer. So he was. No problem. Uh, no problem. Transferred in from TCU, and uh, now he's back into the uh, the transfer portal. So he's 6'3", 280-pound uh, defensive lineman. We just never saw uh, do much at USC. But they've added arguably the best defensive lineman in the transfer portal and the best and most sought-after offensive lineman in the transfer portal. So Bear Alexander uh, from Georgia comes to USC. You know He had a sack in the national championship game. So got some good experience. You know, obviously there's some really great players he was playing behind last year for Georgia. And a lot of people thought he would just be, you know, move right into the starting role. Uh, you know, 6'3", you know, over 300 pounds, big guy. Uh, they also got um, an offensive lineman who ends up being one of the more sought after ones. Um, Emmanuel Pregnant from Wyoming. So he's a big dude, six foot six, 320 pounds. Um Got the red shirt his first season, and then he took over as the, at right guard, the starting spot in 2022. Uh, PFF had him as the number three guard in the in the Mountain West Conference. Um, and Chris Hummer from 24-7 wrote that outside of Bear Alexander, uh, Emmanuel Pregnant is the best player to have entered the portal during spring ball. Um, schools were buzzing about him within an hour of him entering the portal. Um, he said, in fact, I had one school tell me he had, he'll have offers from everyone soon. And he did. He got a ton of offers, um, and he ends up committing to USC. So a top offensive lineman and a top defensive lineman from the transfer portal, USC picked up post uh, spring ball, Coach. Well, it's sort of like the NFL draft. Start, <laughs> uh, you know, go after the offensive and defensive lineman, which uh, basically is something that every team that wants to play the national championship you got to have those interior guys, uh, as Keith Jackson said, the big uglies, okay? Guys that get in there and really don't get their names called if you're an offensive lineman unless you get a holding penalty. That's when they say number 76, holding. And uh, defensively, you got to make a tackler. Nobody knows who you are. Uh, I had a chance, and I remember Alexander in the national championship game, and I remember the play he made on that one play, and I thought he really, I said, who is that kid? Because they mentioned he was a freshman, and, he really played well. But again, I wonder why a kid would leave Georgia. I really do. 
unless there was some type of problems or something going on there, because they can afford to keep him there, if you know what I mean with the NIL. They can afford to keep him there. I think he was driving a nice car anyway. I think he had a Porsche, if I remember correctly. I, I can't remember, so I'm not going to – don't hold me to that. <laughs> so uh, uh, he he leaves Georgia to come out here and uh, comes to Southern California and, uh, for a change and maybe more money. Who knows what it is? But I want to see him play, and he's got to be worth every penny of it, or why make that investment? He's a, he was a superstar uh, coming out of high school. He, he I think he, he committed, then decommitted to somebody else, then recommitted back to Georgia, and now he's leaving Georgia. In fact, on his arm, I think he has a big G tattooed. Uh, under his arm, as remember when... Uh, JT put the Trojan on his calf. I don't know if you remember that or not. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember, Coach. Daniel, yeah, he put that on his uh, his calf. So it's something that, you know, that you plan on being there for a while when you do something like that because the tattoo is going to be there for a while. But he's coming in, and uh, everyone's hoping that he's the type of player that it needs to win national championships. I don't know anything about anything about him except the one play I saw. But I really say, how do you let a player like that get away if you're Georgia? How? I don't know. So obviously he's in uh, now the huddle at USC, and everybody's going to expect him to be dominant. And uh, I hope he is. And I hope he's in a position where he can perform like he should be take advantage of his uh, skills, and also Lucas, the other five-star that came in from Texas A&M. Those are pretty impressive recruits as long as you put them in a position where they can demonstrate their skills. And I think that's one thing. Again, I won't be able to watch uh, them practice. I might be able to watch the opening game. Uh, I think I will be able to watch the opening game. But again, I think they'll be closed again in the fall, so it's going to be very difficult for us, at least me, to give an opinion on the kid's ability and performances unless I can watch him. So I'm going off of his high school career, what he he did at Georgia in the one game I saw him play in, and I never saw Lucas play in any game, so I don't really know except the spring game. And in that game, all they were basically is dropping him in the flat, which is something I don't agree with. Yeah. And real quick, uh, Barquet, uh, he did play in four games last year, but didn't get any stats. So um, he played the Fresno State game, Oregon State, Arizona State, and Colorado. So he was a redshirt junior um, and moving on. So he was at TCU and USC, I believe, grad transfer now. So he's uh, moving on. But yeah, not, wasn't really a contributor for USC um, at all. Uh, Trojan did pick up a, uh, a commitment for the uh, class of 2024, so from Sierra Canyon, uh, Xavier Jordan is a uh, four-star uh, wide receiver, six foot one, 165 pounds. So he did commit recently too. So a uh, little uh, extra. They've been picking up a little momentum for the class of 2024. So I just wanted to mention that. And then the last thing I had for you, Coach, um, if, if you guys, my good friend Bruce Feldman writes for the Athletic, and he wrote a cool story about Caleb Williams. If you guys want to go check it out sometime, but uh, he talked to a bunch of NFL people because the NFL draft was coming up uh, when he wrote the story. And a lot of guys just felt like if Caleb Williams was in this draft, he would get drafted above all of them. 
Uh, one NFL assistant said, Caleb is unbelievable, man. I think he's by far better than these guys. Uh, a lot of people called him kind of a refined Patrick Mahomes. So a lot of praise for Caleb Williams. So when we look forward to the uh, NFL draft next year, as long as Caleb doesn't, you know, nothing bad happens uh, in this, you know, this season, I think he'll probably put up some big numbers. But even if he doesn't, like just his, you know, just what he brings to the table and what people have seen already, uh, the NFL seems to be salivating over the chance to uh, draft him uh, after next season. I would agree with you. I would think I would take him number one. I would have taken him, not that uh, Young and Stroud and these guys aren't great players, okay? But what I saw and how he performed and the plays he made, they were unbelievable, okay? They were unbelievable. I mean, like, you know, you've heard me talk the entire season about what would they be offensively without him. I don't know. But he's a gamer. He likes to compete. Um... and he's, uh, I think, a leader by example. And uh, half of the touchdown passes he threw, he made happen himself by getting out of the pocket. Receivers were coming back to him or finding the open area, and he found them with passes that were unbelievable. He made some great runs at the same time. So I agree. I, I would say that I hate to say it like this, but I don't know how you repeat that performance, okay? Uh, I don't know how you would repeat what he did last year. And I think he'd be just as good if he didn't because he demonstrated he already can. And I think they would make the team a better football team if they allowed the running backs and improved the running game where it wasn't all on him to make these miracle plays and win 46 to 42. (laughs) So... You know what I mean? I would think uh, he's showed his ability. Now you've got to be able to develop your offense and defenses to win championships. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, we got a few questions. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, knock those out. Back in a minute, everyone. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. we got a few questions, and then uh, we'll let the coach go. Um, so Dan wrote in and said, uh, on paper, the second half of the schedule looks very demanding. Does this change the way the staff approaches the offseason conditioning or the advanced scouting? Thanks for your perspective from Dan. What do you think, Coach, with the backloaded schedule? Does it change your offseason work at all? No, no. Every game is a big game, okay? 
If you look past anybody today, you can get beaten, okay? You got to win one at a time, and each game is the biggest game of the year, okay? And if you look at it any different than that, you know, you're going to find yourself in trouble. You know, you're supposed to be good enough to beat certain teams, okay? You don't have to get emotionally as ready to play. But you got to be able to beat a San Jose State, okay? You got to be able to beat an Arizona who didn't have one NFL draft choice and lost some players. You got to be good enough to beat certain teams. And I'm not putting down these other teams' programs. Please don't get me saying that or feel that way. I'm just saying you're USC. You should have better players. You should have be able to line up. My X is better than your O, or my O is bigger, better than your X. And if we don't mess them up. We're going to win this football game. And you keep that momentum by getting better every day in practice and every day in every game by developing your offense and developing your defense and taking that momentum into your bye and then the end of the season when you get into your serious part of the season. And you should be at full strength offensively, defensively, all your plays in where you're ready to compete against the best. And this is what you get ready for. You understand this all the way, but there isn't one game bigger than the other except emotionally when you know you're 6 and oh, but we got to beat these guys if we're going to where we want to go. Yeah. And I think that's the way you look at it, Ryan. All right, Coach. Uh, let's do – we got a text message from uh, Alex from Downey, and his question is, what's the latest on the future football facilities – on campus. And uh, we haven't heard anything official on football facilities. I think there have been little hints about things that would be dropped. Um, when we've talked to Lincoln Riley, it seems like that's something that's there's definitely work going on behind the scenes uh, for plans and all of that. Uh, but they haven't made anything public yet. Um, so when we hear anything more concrete, we can pass that along. I don't know if you've heard anything, Coach, but that's sort of the latest I got. You want me to guess on what they're going to do? Yeah, I'd love to guess away. All right. I think what they're going to do, uh, they're going to uh, give up the practice field and all of that and make that another building over there of some type is that value. That property is too valuable to sit there in the baseball diamond, to sit there as property on campus. I would think they'd move over to the Coliseum. And in some part of the Coliseum, either the north side or the south side, build a football facility there with a practice facility, make it all football, the whole thing, develop and maybe move baseball there at the same time, because that property is too valuable in the middle of campus. Develop the buildings, do the things that are necessary there, and make a complete brand new football facility on the other side of the Coliseum over there with a Media used to park, Brian, you know where all that is in that area and yeah. so on. Build uh, something over in that area. I really believe that's on the drawing table. I have no concrete evidence that that's happening. But where else do you go? There is not any land there, and you might as well use that valuable land with the number of buildings that they need right there with all of that space. It's only used, not occasionally, but you know what I'm saying. It's a valuable piece of property and develop something somewhere else. All right, Coach, we've got one last one. Uh, this is a different Dan, class of 1962. He says, thanks as always to both of you for your insights about not only USC football, but also the state of college football. I fully agree with Coach Hyde about the injustice of not displaying Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. Everyone who saw what Reggie Bush not 
uh, did not only for USC, but for college football, would agree that he earned the trophy on the field and by his conduct as a player. What, in your estimation, can be done by USC and the Big Ten to correct this wrong? What can USC fans do to help publicize the injustice? Fight on a win, Dan, class of 62. P.S. Three cheers for USC baseball and new coach Andy. Um, interesting. The, he mentions the Big Ten coach. I don't know. Maybe when they join the Big Ten, the Big Ten could get more involved. There's, they pull a lot more weight than the Pac-12 does. <laughs> well, I don't think the Big Ten will get involved in it. I think uh, they'll try to be, stay on the good side of, of uh, the voting, the NCAA, and also the Heisman Trophy deal. New York Athletic Club. I think that, and this is, of course, something I'm just expressing, okay, and I'm not pointing any fingers, but I think USC, uh, they should have handled it a long time ago rather than wait till now when they have a Heisman Trophy winner. And he may want to be the second Heisman Trophy winner. Only Archie Griffin won two in a row, okay? I don't think they want to mess with the voting process as far as the Heisman Trophy. Yet it is it is decided by voters around the country. Don't get me wrong, but I think they'll handle this very de- uh, delicately. I, I just don't think if they would have stood up five years ago or six years ago when it was really a hot subject when they took it, they could have said, "We're not sending it." What are you going to do to us? Okay, put us on more sanctions. You can't put us on sanctions for not sending the Heisman Trophy back. What are you talking about, guys? And uh, if they vote our next Heisman Trophy, what are you going to do? Not give it to him? Are you going to fix the votes? So I think that uh, USC will handle this very care- carefully. Uh, it's amazing. The, the guy was out here giving uh, Caleb his trophy right there on the field at the spring game. And you would think someone would take him to dinner and say, hey, guys, you see up there or show him the Coliseum? That's where his jersey should be. And it's not there. Is there a way we can get it back? Or maybe they did that. But see, I'm a little bit more aggressive than some people are. I'm more frank than what some people are as far as saying it the way it is. And and that's the way I think. Yeah. No, I agree with the coach. I think this, this needs to end. I don't know what the best way to do it. I don't know if the Big Ten is going to be helping. Um, I mean, I think that would put USC above Ohio State as far as number of Heisman's. Uh, I think Ohio State has seven and uh, USC has eight, you know, eight winners. Um, So that's, you know, maybe that's a little political thing too, but we'll be interested to see Dan. I think, uh, I think it's going to happen. I just don't know when or, or what it's going to be, but it seems like that's where all the momentum's going that way. All right, coach. Well, good stuff. We had a lot to talk about in the off season. It's great to get some draft talk and some portal talk and we'll see, maybe there's some more additions coming down the road, but Shouldn't be many new names entering the portal outside of grad transfers. And uh, USC was fairly quiet as far as exits go and uh, some big news with some uh, new additions. So adding some, you know, you add some beef, uh, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. I think that's got to be music to a lot of USC fans ears. But great stuff as always, Coach. Uh, It was great talking to you and we'll talk to you again next time. Again, Ryan, I want to thank you very much for being a part of this podcast. I want to wish you and the the whole group of people that listen, the best of luck. Be safe out there and buckle up. All right. Thanks to everyone listening. Huddle up and buckle up, as Coach likes to say. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, 
interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.